Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the Master. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came and everything started growing again. All right. Well, tonight we're continuing our series, One Another. And uh, it says, are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. So I'd like to answer this by saying, I feel great. Let's sing and go home, because that'd be easier. But the text that God put on my heart for this week is James 5.16, which we just read, where it says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other, to one another, and pray for one another so that you can live together whole and healed. This topic's scary. I, I think I say that for a lot of these topics, but man, God put some heavy hitters on my heart. And... Um, he brings it to my attention, and I, and I keep kind of fighting it. And I've actually been telling Amanda this week when she does our social media posts, please don't write confess to each other because no one will come tonight because it's not something that we just want to peel back the layers and uh, start sharing our deepest, darkest secrets. And I'm just going to put you at ease now in case you're wondering if I'm going to do that. I'm not going to ask you to share anything that, uh, that you don't want to share. Uh, we have broken up into tables these past few weeks throughout the summer for the series to have some group discussion, but um, let's explore this a little bit more. And my prayer for tonight is just that God shows us how to live in this posture, how to make this a common practice of confessing to one another and praying for one another. So let me just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, tonight we gather here to fix our eyes upon you. No matter where we are or where we've been, I pray that tonight you help us just reorient ourselves to the cross and the work that you did there. But God, it didn't end there. You were resurrected and raised to life and you're living and active today. So God, I pray that um, we experience you, that we encounter you, and that we grow closer and more in love with you after having spent time connecting with one another here tonight. In your name we pray, amen. So I'm not sure about you, but have you ever had these experiences where you've been white-knuckling something? And what I mean by that is you're just holding on so tight that you're losing the blood in your knuckles. They're going white because you're trying to do it yourself so hard. So tonight, I, I really hope that it, this isn't a heavy message, that it's, that it's not one where you're like clobbered and you feel like, oh man, I need to, to do some heavy lifting. I, I actually, my prayer for tonight is that we can release our grip and we can actually open up our hands and ex experience freedom 
and find hope and find grace and find healing and restoration. So I hope it's one that will actually lift a load off of our shoulders. Because in order to go into confession, I've been wrestling whether or not to share this, and, and I feel like I have to, because in order for me to just not use general terms, I feel like I need to confess. And I, I feel like I need to go there. And, and the, my first experience, or the one that's probably most prominent in my, my life, where I was just white-knuckling and doing it on my own, it, it lasted for years. It uh, started, I think, 1998. Uh, my family grabbed, had our first home computer, and we had internet. And you might know where this is going, but when you have a home computer and internet for the first time, there's things you can explore online. And my friend and I would come home from high school, and we'd just start searching things, and we'd search celebrities, and then different images would pop up, and we'd start going down the trail of what those images would lead to. And it ultimately led into our pornography addiction. Uh, both my friend and myself, we, we actually confided in each other since we both kind of got started looking at stuff with each other. We were kind of like, hey, let's be accountability partners. But when you're both struggling with the same thing, it, it's not really accountability. You kind of just share that you're in the same low spot and then kind of move on, have your coffee, and it just kind of became hanging out. It became the norm. And then you start thinking, at least I did as a guy, thinking, okay, I'm going to get married and it's all going to be good, and it's going to go away, and it didn't, and I, I still had the addiction, and, and things had come out, and God had worked in my life, and was kind of showing me, Kev, you need to take steps to control this, to, to, to get away from this, and, and it was still a struggle, and I thought, okay, well, when I become a pastor, well, then I definitely, I won't have any struggles anymore, and I'll understand everything, which is far from true, <laughs> And I'm like, I'm still the same person. I still remember the first time someone said, hey, Pastor Kev. And I was like, whoa, what? Like, I'm the same person I was yesterday. You're just calling me pastor now. And, and it, it probably, I think it came out in the summer of 2013. I, I made sure with Amanda that I could share this tonight uh, so she wouldn't be caught off guard with my confession. But 2013, we'd been married at that point for four years, and... We were going through a hike in the mountains, and I remember sitting down on these rocks, and we had just been having a great discussion, but I felt like there was this disconnect, and I felt like I just had to confess to her, that I had to share with her that I've been struggling with a pornography addiction. And I, rem I remember telling her this, and of course, she didn't like what she heard. She didn't like the stories that I shared and that I was still struggling with it, but she was glad that I shared it with her because it meant that we could actually start taking steps forward to, to heal and to reconcile. And it was that fall, I was in this pastoral counseling class, and this prof's telling us how we can come alongside people and counsel them, and I kept thinking, I need this. I don't need to learn how to do it to others. I need someone to come alongside. And so I went to him after class, and he referred us to a counselor who I still meet with to this day. And Amanda and I both went. She was a marriage and family therapist. And we sat down and we just, the whole slew of things. We just said, here's what's going on at work. Here's, here's where I'm struggling with on the internet. Here's what's going on in our marriage. We had just found out we were expecting Landon at the time. And we were going to be moving back to Ontario. Now, most of the, the times that I had confessed these things before, 
people wanted to put in um, safe measures to help me avoid it and resist it in the future. And we put on covenant eyes and we, we made all these steps. But where I was amazed with this one Christian counselor is she actually didn't talk about any of those things. She started going deeper to the root and saying, why are you going to this in order to numb? Why are you turning to this when you're feeling insecure and you're, you're having a tough time? And it was amazing because after a few sessions, I'm like, Amanda, we, we haven't really talked about the actual addiction at all, but I'm, I've actually been doing better and that we had better communication. And it started this whole journey and this process of not just trying to f- patch things up, not just f- trying to seal a, the hole on a sinking ship, but to actually do the hardcore foundational rebuilding. And I share this with you because I feel like if we're going to talk about confessing to one another, I need to be honest. I, I feel like this is, this is something that God's put in my life and it's going to be a constant battle. I, I, I don't think that I'll ever overcome it. But... Um, I know that through God's grace, I'm forgiven. I know that through God's help and through Amanda's and through people I've brought around me that I can definitely walk in purity and holiness. But there's something about that confession, that, that aspect where you, you finally get to let go and there's this freedom to it. Where like, I don't have to carry this myself anymore. It's this posture of, of letting go and releasing it And what blew me away was the people around me, and primarily Amanda, the the love and the grace that was extended to me. And that was saying, it's not right, it's not easy, but I'm going to walk through this with you. And we're going to move and lean in toward Christ. So I have a video that I want to show you. It's a two-minute clip of another pastor talking about the jagged edges in our life. As someone who stumbles through faith and life in general and who's never managed to feel spiritual for any extended period of time, who's snarky and selfish and sometimes downright petty. The truth is, I only really feel connected to other people who are also like that. I mean, it feels good to be inspired by other people, to admire their accomplishments and be dazzled by their virtues. But what I really want is to not feel so alone. And while I might feel inspired by someone who is good, I only feel less alone when someone shares their failures with me, the things they struggle with, the parts of themselves that are more jagged than smooth. And I guess I've always suspected that so much of religion and spirituality, so much of what is offered is a way to sand down the edges of ourselves. Like it's all a program for making ourselves into something less janky and more pure, as if with 
enough yoga or Bible study or organic foods, we can spiritually improve ourselves into purity of heart and mind. And if you find that it doesn't work for you, if you find that all the New Age meditation doesn't do the trick and you still experience road rage or maybe just a tiny bit of hatred toward your boss and you still binge watch too much Netflix and can't seem to manifest everything in your life that you should, just know that you are totally not alone. You don't have to fake anything. It just so happens that the jagged edges of our humanity are what actually connect us to one another. Those wounds and failures and misconceptions and mistakes, those are the things that actually create enough texture on us that God and our fellow human beings have something to grab onto. So that's Nadia Boltz Weber, and she's uh, she was the pastor and uh, planter of uh, a church for all sinners and saints down in Denver, Colorado. But I like this idea that she talked about how oftentimes the church gets this rap that we're trying to smooth out our edges. We're trying to sand out these edges. I borrowed my daughter's Peppa Pig puzzle, um, but. But when we smooth out the edges and when we come to church and we make it look like we have it all together, that we have it all put together, we're not connecting with one another. It's hard to, to be like, do you really get where I'm coming from? Like, you're living a different life than me. You have it together. You don't know my stuff. But it's actually then within the jagged pieces and the rough patches and the jagged edges of our lives that we actually can connect that we have something to connect on. And I think that this is the heart behind this passage that James is getting at. That says, confess to one another. And, and I love, this is the message translation with Eugene Peterson, where he says, make this your common practice. And, and one thing I'll say is, I don't think this means that you need to just confess to everyone. I think it means you need to have safe people that you can meet with. But here's the other thing that I really, where I think it means, what it means for the well community church. One of our values is authenticity. And it's, it's kind of scary to say that, or it's easy to say it, but kind of scary to live it out. Because it's like, how do we balance authenticity, but also guarding some privacy? And not just making sure our stories are being spread everywhere. But I think the the point that I want to drive home and the posture that we can take as a church is that the church was never designed to be a model of good behavior. It was actually a place where you can come discover hope, discover restoration, discover healing, discover life, discover grace, discover peace, discover Jesus who's all of these things. And I think as, as anything develops, those, those edges start getting sanded down and it's smoothed out and we perfect kind of the way we ought to live and how we think others want us to be. But I still remember the pastor at our sponsor church, Steve Kerr. He said, the reason we do plan to protect with our kids' ministry the reason we have so many safeguards in church is because we want this 
to be a safe place to discover those things, but in doing so, it, a safe place to discover grace and restoration and hope and peace, but in, in order to do so, it's going to be an unsafe place in the people that we're attracting. Because I don't want to attract people who have it all together because they're not being real. Or if they have it all together, I'd like to know their secret. <laughs> but this is a place that we, we want it to be a safe place where pe people can come and know that, that their past doesn't define them, but that they can step into new life. That, that, that their current struggles that they're facing with today and with tomorrow and doesn't have to define their future but that they can come and explore and discuss and find hope and healing and a path towards restoration through Jesus. So confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Every time I've read this section of, of Scripture, I've often just focused on the healing part. And I know I've talked about this in recent messages but I'm a skeptic sometimes when it comes to healing. And I believe that God can do it, but I sometimes think, again, because we're trying to sand out those edges, we focus on, on the healing rather than walking through suffering with people. But as I was studying this passage this week, it started showing me that this is so much more than just mere physical healing. This is spiritual healing. This is living a life of wholeness. It's something that, that we can step into and connect with one another, those jagged pieces of our lives that we can actually be authentic and real and walk together on this journey. But what I also love, and I, I've never picked up on this before, perhaps I just didn't take the time to study it, but this last example that James is using, he says, Elijah, for instance, human, just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. What's interesting about this is here James is referring to a story from 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. But what's fascinating is it doesn't actually say that Elijah prayed. Now, 1 Kings 17 and 18 definitely alludes to the fact that Elijah prayed, but it doesn't actually say he did. But there's so many other examples where Elijah actually prayed, prayed down fire, and, and the fire came down. So it's like, well, why didn't James pick that story? That showed a more powerful connection to prayer. But one commentator I was reading picked up on the drought. Picked up on the fact that he's talking about Elijah, who is allegedly praying for this drought, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. But then he prayed, and it did rain. And when you have a drought, and then you have rain, you have life bursting forth. You have vegetation you have produce, you have the, the land producing. And I think the connection here is that as we confess to one another, as we open up ourselves to one another to actually journey through life together and we pray for one another, orienting 
ourselves on the person of Jesus, we actually step from this dead life, this dry ground, into new life, into to wholeness, into restoration and reconciliation and love. And it's, it's this resurrection life that, that needs death in order to be resurrected, but it's this life of Jesus that we get to live in and walk in, and through his power of the resurrection, we can experience new life. So again, whatever struggles that we've had, the pornography addiction that I've had, I can step into new life alongside Jesus, and I know that that doesn't define me. That doesn't define who I am or who I was and who who I'll continue to be. Jesus defines me. And as as I walk through life with him, it's this life of newness, of freshness, of fullness. And what's what's more is this, this idea of prayer. Because it begins with, if you're sick, call the church leaders together and pray. And then it shifts down to pray for one another. I think what James is showing us in this passage is you go to the trusted people who, who you respect, who, who are your spiritual leaders, who will, who will pray for you. But then he's also taking it down to our level saying, but it doesn't just stop there. We all have the opportunity to pray. And he says the power doesn't lie in the person praying for you. The power lies in the prayer. The power lies in Jesus. So as we, as we move into this time of discussion and reflection, and I, I, I just kept scratching my head on how do we talk about this in our groups? How, how do we embody this as a church and as believers? And we have a few different exercises that you can do. I'm going to have a few questions up on the screen that we can talk about in groups. And we'll spend a few minutes going over these discussion questions. But then I also want us to take a few minutes to just reflect on our, on our own. To just... to. Ask God to reveal areas in your life where you're struggling, where, where you may need forgiveness, where you may need an accountability partner to come alongside you. And as you're doing this, I invite you to the table where there, there's three things on the table. We have our standard communion, which is an act of remembrance. It's an act of remembering what God has done for us and that he's inviting us to step into this life of wholeness of restoration that's provided in and through him. But then we also have our offering bucket that you're more than welcome to come up and and lay your offering in. But also you have the connect cards on your table. And if there's something that you just want prayer for or perhaps to even just an act of confession that you would just want to write out privately and you want to place in the bucket, I invite you to do that as well. And we'll, we'll pray with you. You'd, even if you want to stay anonymous, don't put your name on it. And we'll just lift that up in prayer. And then the last exercise is that little gold circle with white flags around it. 
And what this is, is it's just an act of surrendering to God whatever it is you've been white-knuckling, whatever it is you've been holding on to that you've been trying so hard. Just take some time to, to sit with that and pray about it. And if you feel released, if you feel that you can surrender this to God, or even if you feel like you can't, but you're like, God, help me surrender this to you, just stick a white flag into that sponge as a sign to symbolize, I'm surrendering this to you. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. This is my desire for our church, guys, that we can we can step into this and not sharing all the juicy details about what's going on, but just recognizing that this isn't a place that only demands perfection. We don't at all. It's not a place that, that ought to resemble good behavior, good morals. But it's this place of of being able to connect with one another and and connect with God and and together move toward Him because He is calling us to holiness. But it's through Him and His help, His assistance, that we can get there. So the questions that we can discuss at our table is what comes to mind when you hear confess? There's a lot of different things that I've heard. But then how can we become more authentic with one another? What are some ways to convey care to people as they, sh- as they share their needs? What's an effective way to pray for the needs of others? And what is something that you need prayer for? So I'll, I'll set a timer, uh, but for the, the next 10 minutes, let's just discuss some of these questions and then I'll guide us into uh, coming to the table.